Mission Chats with John Crow. Well, today I'm thrilled to get to know someone whose name I've known for many, many years, and I've known him as the editor of a email update that comes out uh, every week or two, I think it is, called Brigada. And for me, that's been a wonderful resource of being connected with the mission world. And Doug would bring just little snippets of things people have submitted to him, things he's seen. I know now it's a bit of a team working behind it, but just a huge encouragement over the years. So I'm thrilled that Doug made some time today to let us hear a little more of his story. So Doug, as we kick things off here, I'd just love to hear from you, your story, your testimony, how the Lord brought you to him and how he's led you into missions. John, it's great to meet you, and it's an honor to be here in your uh, podcast. And it's a fun story. I went to a Bible college without knowing what I would do. And while there, I realized I was basically just living a life of sort of notional or nominal Christianity. I knew I had been following Jesus, but I didn't know why. And in my first couple of weeks there at the college, I walked out of a chapel service realizing I'm not even sure why I believed. So I walked up on a hillside behind the campus and sat down on a log. And looked up in the sky and said, Lord, I know if you're there, you would be the most important thing to find in all my life. But boy, it's hard to find you. And you just seem so invisible, so difficult. I can't smell you. I can't see you. Mm -hmm. I can't touch you. I can't hear you audibly. But if you're there, would you make yourself discoverable? And I'll search for you. So over the next couple or three weeks, I spent most of my time in the library. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, I let some of my regular college assignments slip a little bit. Okay. Because I was doing this assignment for a more important purpose. I was writing, in a way, it was like a term paper, John, why I believe. And in fact, I remember, like it was last night, pushing my chair back from the desk, yeah. putting that pages in a blue slipcover and putting the binding on the blue slipcover and putting it down on my desk. And it was a little term paper called Why I Believe. And I'm not sure I really proved that Jesus exists as far as a logical debate mm -hmm. might go. But it sure felt like to me, believing was a lot more believable. So I did decide after that, through some other means, a, a Bible basis segment of a missions course that I had to take, I decided to go into missions, went to South America and serve there. And it was in that whole realm of serving in South America. I remember visiting a little shanty town where a lady named Carmen was about to die mm. from double pneumonia. And in fact, the doctors had given her up to death and sent her back for one more day with her family. And then they were going to bring her back to the hospital to pass away. And a bunch of us gathered together in her little shack. And we prayed like never before that God would heal her. She went back to the hospital. And from what I was told, when her husband called two or three days later and said, the funny thing is, the doctors came in the next day and couldn't find any more infection in her. Mm -hmm. And the next day they came back and couldn't find any infection. So they released her and stamped the thing unexplained. Wow. And now I'm here to tell you, he said, this is a miracle. And that's the place where the first church started for our team in Montevideo, Uruguay there. Mm. And it just kind of put a lasting imprint on me that Jesus really is there. It made it so that I wanted to follow with my life and really everything else fell into place afterward. Uh, mm. Team expansion and eventually Brigada as well. So that's basically how I came to faith, John. Yeah. As I listen to your story, I can sort of relate uh, because as a kid, of course, I think I 
had some prayers along the way and kind of imitating my parents' faith, I'm sure, and different things. But for me, it was, I guess, mid-teenage years when I came to the Lord for myself, as it were. It was a similar thing. I was I was by myself. I'd gotten into a bit of trouble at my boarding school and realized that, <laughs> you know, I was probably just putting on a show of being a Christian in some way, but really it wasn't a personal relationship. And so, yeah, I just sat wow. with the Lord one evening and just committed my life to him, asked for, for his forgiveness. So it's neat hearing your story a little further along a few years later in your case, but yeah, pursuing the Lord for yourself and not necessarily in some sort of a revival or, you know, a big experience right. type thing, but just a, no. a personal level. So that's, right. yeah, that's super encouraging. And I think as I had a look through the website of Team Expansion and read a bit of your story and kind of how it began in Uruguay for you. And I was excited to see that it, it came out of a prayer meeting, if I understood it, or at least a gathering of friends praying That's right. over the That's world right. map. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, yep. with uh, Operation Mobilization uh, previously to this current yeah, church and George Verne, right. Dale yeah. wrote on those guys. It was the same kind of thing that sparked their heart for missions wow. and especially international missions. So, so that was really a fun connection to see there. It is fun. And there, I think there were eight of us in the dorm room next to mine in the men's dorm. Mm-hmm. And we were all on the floor with the map rolled out. Right. All of us had been uh, taking the same kinds of missions courses and it all gotten excited in different ways. And so mm-hmm. I suggested we write our names beside a different place where we'd like to go. And some ended up going, some not so much. But okay. it, I guess I was the last one standing and I got us together to pray every week. And it was really born out of that prayer meeting that Team Expansion started and has been focused on prayer ever since. We have about 380 workers now in 50 countries, and they all focus on disciple-making in one form or another, DMM, and uh, multiplying disciples and you know dis- discovery Bible studies yeah. or three-thirds groups mm-hmm. in hopes of starting movements. And we're working mostly in places where other people haven't gone, so it's by definition we're going to unreached people, so it's a, a lot of fun. And, right, yeah. And it's out of that that the Brigada story started was 1995, okay. and I was asked to be the president, I guess you'd call it, of a national convention for missionaries. It was called, appropriately enough, the National Missionary Convention. It later became ICOM, International Conference on Missions. And mm. So while serving as the president of that, I was having trouble finding information about what parts of the world were still unreached, I had read some of these little books that uh, World Vision put out in their little division called MARC, M-A-R-C. And there was called Unreached People's Annual Book. And that fascinated me. And I thought, surely there's a way to discover which one of these groups has now been reached and which one are still be unreached. And there was a real dearth of information about it. We were in the middle of a campaign called AD 2000 and Beyond. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember contacting the head of that. His name was Louis Bush. And I remember saying, well, what kinds of resources are there for this? And and he wrote me back and he said, you know, that's one of the problems. We can't get good information on this. Mm-hmm. Would you like to come to a meeting in Colorado Springs where we're going to work on this? Okay. And I said, yeah, my idea is simple. I just like to start putting out a weekly newsletter on this. And I sent him a proposal as the first kind of edition and that proposal is on the Brigada website, B-R-I-G-A-D-A, okay. Brigada. It's a Spanish word for brigade. It also works in Russian and Tagalog and a bunch of other languages. This right. word Brigada it sort of means a brigade that would pass buckets to put out a fire of a burning house. Right. And the idea was, let's just all work together and pass around the information. Hopefully, we'll learn 
mm-hmm. which house is still on fire and where we need to send uh, right. the water, you know? Yep. And it started with that get together in Colorado and it, it went on from there. Fortunately, out of that gathering came joshuaproject.net mm-hmm. and that made some things easier, not everything, but it made a lot of things easier. Dan Scribner and others were at that meeting and that made things easier. So eventually Brigada became sort of a weekly newsletter to focus on information, resources, trends, Basically, anything that would help the global cross-cultural worker to get his or her job done among the unreached. So sometimes it's some kind of a cool tool to use when you're traveling. Sometimes it's a conference where you can learn about media to movement. Sometimes it's a new release of a particular version of Zume or whatever. It's just a bunch of resources. Mm -hmm. Eventually, we kind of landed on 10 per week. And a lot of people pitch in so we can have money for a server and mm-hmm. and money for a part-time assistant to help with this. And it's gone on now since 1995. How about that, John? It's been <laughs> a lot incredible. of fun. It's a fun ride, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's right. When did you start reading it, John? As far as you remember, when did you start? Yeah, I'm trying to think back there. So I joined OM Ship Logos 2 in 96, the fall of 96. I don't know if I was already reading it at that point or if it while I was on board, I came across it and started reading. And, you know, that was back in the days on the ship, at least email. They used to print it out and put it in a mailbox for you. It was kind (laughs) of how limited the access was. And, you know, we had to book a time slot on a computer to write an email. But I do remember there reading a few years into it. I guess it was at that point. But, yeah, that's kind of my first recollection. And so over the years, it's been receiving it and always enjoyed seeing and learning about different factors and things affecting world missions um and so they're very kind to encourage so that's been a lot of fun and yeah so i'm excited to (laughs) speak with you and then share some of that story and people in the missions community but haven't heard of that they can find it brigado.org and sign up there right exactly and it's free you just there are three little blanks name and email basically you know that you put up there it takes less than 30 seconds to sign up and you don't get spam there's no list that we sell to that your information is never passed on to anybody else it's just one email a week ever, you know, and that's it. Yep. And I can definitely confirm that it's a one way thing with a free email update every week. If you're listening to this and you've never checked that out, highly recommend it and encourage you to take a look. And I like to, I think in more recent years, you've kind of tied it back to the website where people can add some feedback on, on topics and items. Yes. And they can actually, uh, they can actually search past items there. So I mean, if you're looking for a travel agency or whatever, you can go there and use that search box and it's it just searches the 20 years of past editions, yep. you know, to try to look for something missions focused. That's all it's searching. Yep, that's fantastic. So, uh, yeah, if you go on there and search for mission chats, you'll find one item that uh, <laughs> Doug let come through and just to publicize this little podcast a little bit to that audience. That's awesome. I really appreciate that as well. But Doug, I'd love to hear a little bit more about team expansion as well. I had known of it through the email newsletters here and there. I think you've mentioned it at different times, but I really had no idea of the scale of the organization and what you've been doing over the past 40 plus years. So yeah, I'd love to hear a little more kind of how that was birthed and where it's gone. It means a lot that you would ask, John. We try not to make Brigada a mouthpiece for team expansion. There are people from team expansion who submit items like everybody else. And they just go in the queue like everybody else. They're not given favored status. So team expansion then started out of that prayer room in that dorm meeting. And it just grew from Uruguay to Venezuela and then on to the next country. And now, like I said, we're working in about 50 countries. Mm-hmm. We have about 380 full-timers. And we really focus on doing things in simple Bible ways, 
among unreached peoples. We try to really give a lot of grace. We try to work in teams, stay very accountable. So everybody that donates anything gets a monthly report mm -hmm. that shows how much money came in, how much money went out, what it's spent for, how much is left. Right. Very, very open-handed in terms of financial accountability. A lot of coaching goes on. We're all coaching somebody else and somebody else is coaching us. Mm -hmm. And uh, along the way, we've always focused just on church multiplication or church planting, try to birth these fellowships that result in movements. And that's kind of what we focus on, uh, how to multiply kingdom movements. So we're working in places that I wouldn't be able to name because they'd be too secure. And then places that are maybe open, but they have immigrant communities, refugee mm -hmm. communities, mm -hmm. lots of work among Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, right. communists. Okay. notional and nominal people, but uh, always we look and see where is the percentage of evangelicals below 5%. And we predated Joshua Project, so we always had to use 5% or less as our kind of mark, and that's what we stuck with since we right. got started in 1978, when yeah. Team Expansion got started. So since 1978, we've been focused on places around the world that are 5% or fewer evangelical. That's what we do. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, as I saw that uh, year of when you start, I was like, well, I was two years old then. So uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. Not to make you feel old or anything, but yeah. Oh, like, that's okay. I love it. I love time. it. So yeah. yeah, that's wonderful. Yep. Very good. It's kind of a little side question here, but I'm curious how you would see the effectiveness of kind of the, you know, the multiplication discipleship model through your organization's efforts with that. We are just overjoyed at how it's worked out. Uh, we ask our workers every Sunday night, how many hours did you pray for the lost? Yep. How many people did you invite to a group? Like, mm -hmm. in other words, a three-thirds group or a Discovery Bible study. And then we ask, how many instances did you tell God's story or your story? So, in other words, the gospel or your testimony. Those are the three questions we ask, and we let our workers know worldwide Mm -hmm. that those are the ways we're going to judge performance. Those are the benchmark of yeah. whether they're doing their jobs well. We don't ask them any other things about life and work. Now, mm -hmm. we ask what God has done. You know, right. we ask how many baptisms have taken place in your field this year? How many groups got started? Mm -hmm. How many groups are meeting currently? Yep. And what's the total number of people that are meeting those groups? And we make it clear that that's a different set of questions because those questions are focused on what God's doing in your place. Mm -hmm. But what we're asking you to do are those first three questions. So I'm looking here at our little dashboard and it's mm -hmm. updated real time as people send in those answers to those real time questions. And we just use Disciple Tools, which is a very simple, easy to use, free online metric tool that helps people keep track of their disciples. And as yeah. they grow, how they can gather those together in groups. We just use a prompt now that's available in Disciple Tools. In fact, the People Disciple Tools allowed us to contribute to pay to develop this prompt yeah. so that we could use it with our org. And I'm looking at our dashboard, and I'm happy to tell you that literally to the day, our workers have prayed so far 12,958 hours so far in 2023 for the lost, mm. and they've shared the gospel just shy of 18,000, so 17,912 times. And they've invited 5,341 people to groups. So what God has done there have been uh, 1,607 baptisms so far mm -hmm. in 2023, 705 new groups started. It makes a total of 8,173 groups that are meeting each weekend with 86,000 people gathered every wow. weekend on average. It's 86,447. Those are actual numbers that people mm -hmm. answered in those weekly prompts. So they're real live data, and it keeps it on a weekly basis, real mm -hmm. time as they fill out those forms. 
So, John, I couldn't be happier. Not only is it streamlining the way we report mm-hmm. to all of our partners, donors that make our work right. possible, prayer partners, and people that are encouraging and mobilizing new missionaries, but also it's more amazing than we would have ever hoped for in terms of the sure. fruit. And people tell us this is astonishing fruit mm-hmm. for what our workers are doing around the world. So we couldn't be happier. We think that the 2000 kingdom movements with roughly what? Over 100 million Mm-hmm. disciples, roughly 1% of the world's population now, we think it's astonishing what the disciple-making movement the strategies have done. So we're we're loving it. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. And I love that you have such clear metrics for your workers. And then super cool to hear this uh, technology that helps you, yeah, like you said, up to the day or just see those numbers coming through. That's got to be really encouraging. But something I was really pleased as well, you know, it's easy sometimes to get lost in the numbers. For some of us, we love the numbers. Uh, others, it's kind of <laughs> the eyes glaze over a little bit. But I love checking out your website. Actually, just before our call, I was taking another look through and just, you know, seeing those stories front and center of actual people and their their story of, of coming to the Lord and how he did that. Um, I was just reading, I think it's the latest one there, finding the Lord through dreams. And that's always super exciting for yeah. me because <laughs> that's one of those things we can't put in a box. You know, this is how God right. works. You know, it's like, all right, that's amazing. Yeah, very cool to, to read that. And that yeah. website we should mention, huh, John, is uh, teamexpansion.org, yes. teamexpansion.org. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah, thank you. For those listening, as I usually do in the podcast notes, I'll have links through to oh, the sites we reference good. as we go as well, just to make it easier to click through. Thanks again for your interest in Mission Chats. And tune in next time for the rest of my conversation with Doug. Find us online at missionchats.com.